Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please follow your child's lead. I'm a mother of two young children and a pediatric speech-language pathologist. I specialize in work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength in Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthinwords.com. If you enjoy this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yelling. Hello to the singers. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Hello to the children, hello to the grown-ups, hello, 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 hello. Hello to your friends, hello to my friends, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we're speaking with Leslie Hayden, a pediatric physical therapist who works with children on the autism spectrum. She's also a mother to a wonderful young man who happens to be on the autism spectrum. Let's give her a warm welcome. Hello to Leslie, hello to Leslie, hello, 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 hello to all our new friends, hello to all our old friends, hello, 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 one last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 53 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today I'm speaking with Leslie Hayden, a pediatrics physical therapist who works with children on the autism spectrum and a mom to an amazing 18-year-old son, Wes, who also happens to have an autism spectrum disorder. For the last 29 years, her first love has been early intervention, working with infants and toddlers, but she also works in schools, homes, and in a clinic setting. With advanced training in sensory processing, she incorporates these principles into treatment and provides educational workshops to parents and teachers. Leslie enjoys working in multidisciplinary teams and believes empowering parents is the best way for children to succeed. 
Leslie is proud to be a part of All About Kids, which is an office she shares with pediatric speech and occupational therapists, and she believes in celebrating each success and feels so lucky to share these special moments with families. Welcome to Strength and Words. So glad to have you. So I've asked you to come onto the show today to speak a bit about both your professional and very personal experience with autism spectrum disorders. So First, can you just tell us a little bit about your background professionally and a bit about your personal journey into your own child's autism diagnosis? Well, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. I've been a physical therapist for 29 years and worked strictly with children because I don't get along with adults very well. They whine too much. <laughs> and so I had a lot of background when we adopted our child at eight months. We certainly didn't think we were going to go down the autism road with him. In the prior years, I had worked with lots of kids that were on the spectrum, um, lots of different diagnoses, lots of sensory stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to welcome a child into our family that had all these issues, but we didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of medical issues early on, so we thought, okay, you know, we can deal with the medical issues. And then over the years, it just kind of became a, I don't know how to say it. We had a lot of different diagnoses, but he evolved into a diagnosis of autism, which wasn't very shocking at the time, but looking back, we certainly didn't expect it. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that any parent does. So tell us a little bit about, you know, in what ways did your own professional background influence your journey as a parent of a child with autism? Because as a person who works with children, how, what was that like to sort of bring that home and realize? Well, it, was, it was really interesting, you know, he, because he had so many different presentations when he was little. It was first kind of ADHD-like things, and then a lot of sensory processing things, and a lot of uh, behavioral things, which we didn't know. And so I think as a professional, it was real easy for me to go, you know what, there's something not right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, I was able to, you know, make connections with other people and the specialists, and, and it was real helpful uh, and my husband laughs about this because I speak the language. Right. And so being able to, to do that and being able to interpret and being able to see the things that were going on and relate them to the specialist, mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of those things were? You mentioned behaviors. You mentioned the sensory mm -hmm. things. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like specifically with, with Wes? Yeah, and it, it was really interesting. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking back about how he looked so ADHD-like when mm. he was a baby. Mm. With the medical issues, though, everybody said, well, he's adopted. We don't know his background. It could be that we don't know if ADHD ran in his family. Mm -hmm. And then there were all kinds of sensory issues, mm -hmm. which, again, can go along with you know, maybe prenatal alcohol, whatever. And we didn't have any record of that. Right. So it was the primarily the attention, impulsivity, the he had some language deficits mm -hmm. that we had early speech therapy for. Mm -hmm. A lot of the doctors just said, Well, you know, he's been through so much medically that you just need to let him keep catch up. Mm. He'll, he'll grow out of it. And we were like, no. You know, and then the, the meltdown started to occur and he was three hours screaming, mm. um, inconsolable, ripping his room apart, things like that. That's not typical. Right. At what age so, was that? 
just to give our listeners a about, little bit more. About age four. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, at age four, I started noticing seizure activity. Mm. And one thing that I didn't know, even as a professional, was that one in four kids that are diagnosed with autism also have a seizure disorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my practice, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so once we got him on medication for that, that helped a little bit. But he was never a kid who did some of those typical, he always made good eye contact. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of good gestures. So it never really crossed our mind that it could be that way. That it could be an autism spectrum disorder. Autism, yeah. That, it, right. did, it wasn't on the radar. It was, okay, we've got ADHD, right. we've got sensory, we've got some cognitive issues, but none of the, what I would consider hallmarks of an ASD diagnosis were there when he was little. Right. Let's talk just a little bit about that because um, I think since we have a lot of listeners who are first-time parents and caregivers, can we chat just a bit about some of those t- more typical early signs that can help parents to be more cognizant about what they might want to look out for, given that, as we know, I think there's an adage in the professional and personal world of autism that, you know, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism, because it is a spectrum and it's something that exists for every family and for every individual in a slightly different manner. But what are some of those typical things that we are trained to sort of look out for? Well, the, the first thing that we see is not babbling. Mm-hmm. Um, in my professional world, I have been involved in the ADOS evaluations as a motor person. And, and for those of you that don't know, it's the autism um, diagnostic observation scale Mm -hmm. and uh, we always when we go into these things we talk about does your child babble and this is early this is around age two not pointing Mm -hmm. um, not showing toys or things to people limited play with toys really poor eye contact um, lack of a shared enjoyment in play Mm mm-hmm then the little ones can be more interested in the objects rather than people. Sometimes they're really hard to cuddle. Sometimes you'll see a, a child that's what you'd think neurotypically developing, and then all around age two, they maybe lose the ability to speak, mm-hmm. so they lose their words. Mm-hmm. The other thing that shows up is repetitive actions, so like hand flapping, spinning, looking at wheels, looking at things sideways. So those are all things that kind of make you suspect that it could be an autism spectrum disorder. Right. And I want to make sure that we uh, we say, you know, something about if your child is simply inspecting a wheel from a side angle, <laughs> it's not necessarily autism, right? I mean, I think the danger in knowing too much is that we know too much, right? And I think as with everything, it's important to take all of these things first of all, with a grain of salt, but also to look at our children holistically and uh, to understand that I think as far as what you were saying about the communication part, for instance, so many of those pieces about babbling and gesture use and and engaging with play, that's the, the social part of communication, right? The interacting for a social purpose. And we often gesture and point to help another person see what we're trying to talk about. And a child who might be on the autism spectrum is often less engaged socially with others and a lack of gesture use 
for instance, might be an indicator that that social ability is more difficult for that individual. So... One of the things on what our experience as parents and my experience as a professional doing these ADOS evals and evaluating mm-hmm. kids on the spectrum were that there's a lot of different things that explain yeah. the early list of ASD warning signs. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it could be hearing loss. Yes. It could be uh, the, the lack of a nurturing environment. It could be, um, prenatal exposure to drugs and alcohol. Right. It could be severe ADHD, Mm -hmm. um, sensory processing disorder where, you know, they're so sensitive that they hold the world kind of back. And so it Mm -hmm. looks like they're not engaging. Mm -hmm. A lot of times too, we see auditory processing disorders, Mm-hmm. that explains some of those things. So even though this is an early list of ASD signs, it's you have to have a comprehensive evaluation to be able to tease out all the pieces. Right, yeah, and just and distinguish one thing from another potentially. Mm-hmm. In, my, in our case, our son was diagnosed with ADHD and a nonverbal learning disability mm-hmm. and the seizures. And then as the as we went along in his development, the seizures were controlled. The ADHD was sort of controlled because with seizures, you can't use certain medications because it lowers your threshold for seizures. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, after going through this process, he grew into a lot of these like repetitive, he does a lot of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then getting stuck on topics and mm-hmm. having like super interests that were a little odd, like with farm equipment. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. And I just, because some some of our listeners are listening to the podcast, what you were doing was he does a lot of this as far as repetitive hand movements is what you were modeling for us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's never been a spinner, but a lot of children will do hand flapping yeah. like, like this. Yeah. But when he's excited, this is what my son does and full expression of who he is. <laughs> So it's sort of a movement, a changing over of, of the hands. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just take a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to hear a little bit more from Leslie about the kinds of information she found useful on her own journey and then the resources that she likes to share with other families as a professional. We were not meant to parent in isolation. The Strength and Words Community Lab brings you peace of mind. You have what matters when you need it most. We're your parenting brain trust, the place where you can have adult conversations about your baby's babbling and where you're lifted up rather than bogged down. The Community Lab is an all-in-one resource that is not one-sized-fits-all. To join us in finding joy in the mayhem, take your one-week free trial and join us at community.strengthandwords.com. All right, Leslie, as both a professional and a parent, What thoughts or suggestions, either specifically or generally, do you feel are sort of actually useful for parents and caregivers who are in those beginning stages, maybe suspecting something might be going on developmentally or seeking services or even seeking a diagnosis? And then the other side to that question, what suggestions do you have for family and friends who might be supporting a parent through this journey? 
Well, I think the first thing is to tell parents is to trust your gut. If you think mm-hmm. there's something going on, there probably is. You know your child better than anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage people to seek out good medical care. Go to your pediatrician. Say, hey, this is what I... I see, and then start the process of weeding it out. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be nothing, but I, we always say a non-diagnosis is just as important as a diagnosis. Yeah. And then the other thing, I, I was talking with my husband about this, and because we had so many different diagnoses on our journey, don't focus on the diagnosis. If you if you suspect something and you get a referral to a speech therapist or an occupational therapist or a physical therapist or a counselor. Let those evaluations kind of guide what you do. Hmm. Having a diagnosis is good because in some states you can get extra help for kids that have ASD. Sure. But the chances are that when you go through those therapies, you're going to be addressing the things that the child needs anyway. So the diagnosis isn't as important. Right. And as always, you know, a diagnosis isn't your child. Yeah. So one thing I would also share as a parent is because I was a pediatric PT, it was important to me that my child continue to move on the developmental path and he had some other ideas so <laughs> I spent so much time trying to fix him mm. that I missed a lot mm. so I, I really tell my families enjoy enjoy your child enjoy all the pieces of your child yeah you can work on therapy things and that's great you integrate it into what you're doing but your child has to be a child too yeah and I think that's super important a comprehensive eval will help weed out things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I say comprehensive, I mean occupational, physical, and speech therapy. Because mm-hmm. there could be something else going on that mimics autism, Yeah, but it's not. Then you can go on and maybe have somebody who has the right credentials doing autism, the, the ADOS. Mm-hmm. which is the gold standard of diagnosing, but it's not a standalone thing. So it just right. it just helps gather more information. Let's see, I had a couple others. The seizure piece. Yeah. <laughs> because that really blindsided us. And we work in our clinic with a lot of kids on the spectrum that that's never even come up for. And we see it, and then we refer back to the doctor, and sure enough, that's what's happening. And once you get that addressed, then the child's a lot more available. Yeah, I like that word. That's a very apt way to describe it. I think one thing that stands out for me about some things that you've said uh, is that comprehensive piece that none of this stands alone. And one thing that might be happening may be related to something else way over here. And I think this goes back to what you were saying about, you know, having a diagnosis. It's not about the diagnosis. It's about having a, an understanding of what's going on with your child, where your child's strengths are, as well as where the child's weaknesses are, so that you can use the strengths to build up the weaknesses and, and work on all of that skill development in conjunction together. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the other thing that you had talked about is how to help, how family members and friends can help. Yes. And, you know, a couple things you may experience is, oh, well, autism is such a hot topic now, you're just looking for things. Mm. So that's that's a real thing. And we had some pushback in our family. Oh, that can't be it. Sure. That can't. And then once we went through everything that it wasn't and we were left with what it is, we went to autismspeaks.org, uh-huh. and that's a really good website for 
being able to talk to people about it and they have a, a specific link of how to explain this to family good and then once i copied all that off handed it out to all my family and they were like oh that makes sense now yeah. and so they've been able to structure their homes parties family parties and things that are more friendly to our son and it's that's a really good autism speaks is a really good resource i'm so glad to hear it (laughs) it really helped us can you tell us about a few of your other favorite resources either online resources Mm -hmm. or books or organizations absolutely the the ones that autismspeaks.org is a great one but Anything by Michelle Garcia Winner, who developed social thinking, because autism is a social communication disorder, and this helps kids that are on the spectrum learn how to navigate that social world. The Zones of Regulation Mm -hmm. is a program that helps kids regulate their behavior. Mm -hmm. Social Stories by Carol Gray is Mm -hmm. huge. That one really helped us a lot to help Wes figure out how to act in certain social situations and then to front load him Hmm. we're going to go to a party now it's going to be loud her website's great and it will help you be able to do social stories by yourself they're not complicated yeah at all can you give us a little bit just for our listeners who are not aware of what a social story is can you give us a little bit of a synopsis A social story is basically front loading someone let's say we're going to go out to eat so you, to whatever level your child is, you make a little book. You can just write on it. You can do pictures. Okay, we're going to go out to eat tonight. There's going to be a lot of people. There may be noise. They may not have the food that you like, mm-hmm. but we're going to go out to eat. You're going to be able to sit quietly at the table. We're going to enjoy each other. We're not going to use a loud voice. <laughs> If things get too loud, you let mom or dad know. And then you read it prior to the activity Mm -hmm. several times so the child knows what to expect. And you even take that book in and you say, okay, remember we talked about it's loud. Yeah. And it's just a way, I think, of helping them cope. And you can do it for anything. Bath time, Mm -hmm. um, getting ready for school, getting ready to go to daycare. Right. And you can make them as simple as possible mm-hmm. just with pictures for kids that don't have a lot of communication. Sure. And I think it should be said that to be totally honest, a social story or a type of social story is a great thing to use, certainly for a child who is on the autism spectrum, but honestly with any toddler, mm-hmm. <laughs> any child, mm-hmm. any child who is developing language and is not yet able to always use that language, a child with any kind of sensory need or any kind of any kind of need and a child who is really developing that self-regulation skill, which is any toddler. <laughs> really. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, we and do beyond. social stories to ourselves yeah. all the time. Exactly. Okay, I've got to get ready for this podcast and I take it my computer to work and I'm going to calm myself down and it's the same thing as the zones of regulation yeah those are good for any child yeah you know learning how and it basically uses a color system Mm -hmm. and you want to be in the green zone and these are the tools that I can use to keep myself in the green zone so we use these things with all the kids in our clinic they've just been really valuable for us with our our child and also using pictures when he was little 
the steps of taking a bath, for example. Mm-hmm. We would take pictures of this soap. That he the used. The shampoo, yeah. mm-hmm. the towel, the yeah. pajamas, all of that. And I think that's good for all kids, too. Because yes. if you've got a child who has a ability, then you can structure their world so they're more aware of what's going to happen. So there's no surprises. Kids that have high anxiety, that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. And we know that visuals are great ways to give ourselves a reminder of what of what something is or means and give ourselves the context and a reminder for the word, right? A word is an auditory experience. It's a fleeting thing. But if we can give and provide a visual support for that word, it not only gives us something to visualize and see, but also reminds us what that is and gives us a way to communicate if we want to point to something. So yeah, that's wonderful. So Social Stories by Carol Gray, Michelle Garcia Winners, all of her things, including zones of regulation. Anything else that you want to share with us today, Leslie? You know, I, I think that, that gives you a lot to think about. And yeah. one other thing I wanted to say is that Wes didn't get his official ASD diagnosis till he was 14. Mm-hmm. So if we had waited and not done anything <laughs> until that time, we'd be way behind the curve. Yeah. So I guess just to say again, don't don't worry about the diagnosis piece. Do what you need to do for your child, and it'll all kind of shake out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, and thanks to all our Community Lab members who are here listening live. We'll continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session for you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening at home or on the go, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye I yell it. Goodbye to this music. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. If you feel inclined to support what we're doing here at Strength in Words, you can do so by heading to strengthinwords.com, joining our Strength in Words weekly mailing, where you can receive weekly ideas and developmental information applicable to your infant or toddler's developmental age to maximize that connection between you and your baby and to bring you peace of mind you have the resources you need at your fingertips. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Strength in Words podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. Don't forget to check out community.strengthinwords.com, your content and community hub that supports and nurtures you so you can nurture your tiny humans. Come take a one-week trial on me. See you next time.